0: priorities change life is a journey so find the right framework to help you ask the right questions mm. I think that is key for any uh, intern-
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey. I'm your host Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has uh, grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help um, startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the episode, of which I'm terrified I'm going to mess up her name because it's Adriana or Adriana, and I don't remember which, and I'm always worried that I'm going to say it So. Adriana slash Adriana, and she is the founder of uh, Bria.Institute, or Bria. or Bria Institute. Give me a bit of her background. So she was born in Rio, and I know it's not Rio de Janeiro, but she'll let us know which Rio it was. Studied political science, um, worked in the U.S., or kind of worked for the U.S. and Brazilian governments for a period of time, and then worked, went and worked for a company that everybody knows, which is uh, Intel, or, or sorry, GE and uh, worked for GE for Governmental Affairs for a period of time, helping them come into the country, and, to, and then she was the first CEO of GE in Brazil, and she'll talk a little bit more about that. Kind of weaved in and out, did some things with GE, had some time with family and did other things, decided to leave GE, reinvent herself, and that kind of, you know, in a shortened summary fashion, brings her to where she's, where, where she's at today. So with that much as an introduction, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. You already did my job, so you already talked all about me, so I don't even need to answer your questions anymore, right, Devin?
1: <laughs> oh, we'll have you Oh, So that gives you kind of a brief introduction, but maybe now in a bit more detail, walk us through kind of what your journey's at and how you got to where you're at today.
0: Good, great. Yeah, no, you spelled it out very nicely. And, uh, yes, I, I did. Uh, I was born in Rio de Janeiro State, so the city that overlooks the, the beautiful scenery in Rio is called Niteroi. That's where I was born. Mm. Uh, but I was raised in Brasilia, the capital. And that's why my first kind of uh, foundation comes from government. So um, uh, in, a, in another program that I am doing right now for mentorship, they, they invite us to look at our journey in terms of life cycles. So that is like my first the first life cycle it was uh, happening in Brasilia and that's the foundation. That's where I started to get my identity and build my, my talents. And that was based on, on the government. So I, did, uh, I was an exchange student in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, um, and, and got the experience of living with four wonderful host families to so get to know the American culture uh, there. Then I went back to Brasilia, studied political science. Although I I fell in love with my chemistry lab in Oregon, I went back and did political science. So social science instead of hard science. Uh, But that did lead me to aspiring to be a government servant, a public uh, servant. But um, out of college, I was working first with the Brazilian government. and, And then I worked with the US government at the embassy, I was a political assistant, and it was a great school. I learned so much. So I'd say that the exchange program, you know, this connection with the U.S., the political science, built the foundation for me to grow as an expert in public policy and the Brazil-U.S. bilateral uh, relation. And then this is the first cycle. Okay.
1: One question. Ask and then i'll let you get back to your story so you worked at the embassy now the only thing i know about the embassies is what i i see on television which i'm sure is a completely accurate and there's no nothing wrong at all no i'm just kidding um but so is there truth to the fact that you get the you know that basically you can get away with murder type of thing because you have diplomatic immunity is that a, is that an actual thing or does that work or do you know anything about that working at the embassy
0: not these days anymore. Maybe in the past it worked like that. But no, I think the, the with globalization, all the exchange agreements and whatnot, don't think that you can escape anywhere in the world. They'll track you down. So don't 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 claim that.
1: <laughs> so that, that's my only exposure to embassies is what I see on television. So now back to your journey. So that kind of set you up. You did the work to the embassy. You did some governmental affairs. And then I think you, from there you went to work with GE, right?
0: Right. So the second cycle happened in Sao Paulo. So uh, I moved, my family and I, my husband, and I already had one child at that point, uh, and we decided to move to Sao Paulo. So Sao Paulo is a bustling metropolis. So that's where the center of, uh, you know, the, the, the confluence of par- private sector in Brazil is. So the big companies are there and, and, and the life the, in the economic sphere, the economic system kind of happens there. So I found myself moving towards the the private sector with that move. So I learned to, you know, really consolidate my talents and and find some authenticity in in, in my life by migrating from the public sector to the private sector. And first thing I did was lobby uh, at the uh, American Chamber of Commerce. Hmm. so uh, mcham is the AMCAM brazil is the largest chamber of commerce outside the united states so again building upon the foundation the connection with the us moving from public to private and then i landed in my first company which was intel that had a very nice little box of how to be a government affairs person a, an expert so so again i was consolidating the the talents in government affairs when i was invited to join ge to start that function there. And uh, I soon became the first uh, woman CEO of GE in Brazil, which was a great honor to serve that company as CEO. Mm. Went on to uh, also serve in Latin America. So building the government affairs function for GE all over Latin America. So I got the taste of being in the C-suite, doing public private connections, working in that realm of the two, like connecting the two worlds. So um, I say that is the the second life cycle, which brought me to my third life cycle, which is happening as we speak here in Miami. Now, before so, the,
1: the third life cycle, so you did CEO of G- GE. GE is obviously a huge company and, you know, was a big, you know, I'm, I assume a big honor. You know, at least it has a presumption. Everybody knows GE. And if you say you're the CEO. Now, walk me through... You know what is the CEO of, you know, given country because you know CEO you generally think of hey I'm I'm the owner of the company or I run the company and make all the decisions was that what you did in Brazil or how does it work for a big enough company where you have different countries and different CEOs and different, you know, hierarchy give me maybe insight on that
0: Yeah so this is a great question because GE kind of uh, embodies that concept of matrix organization so you have the business units they all report to the higher ranking of that business unit. But in the countries, you try to coordinate the work because Mm. there are similar agendas for all the business. So I represented all the different businesses of GE in Brazil, and and that was a big honor because Brazil was the third largest market for GE uh, um, outside the United States. So United States, uh, China, and then Brazil. So we had all the different business units represented there. So I could talk uh, healthcare in the morning, aviation for lunch, and then uh, energy power generation for for dinner. Right. So it was fun to be able to explore um, this government affairs approach or the public-private interaction uh, from so many different angles, uh, helping so many different industry mm. flourish. And um, the other beauty thing, a beautiful thing about GE and the beauty and that inspiration that kind of stick with me to this day is that. G is so big in innovation, right? It's always disrupting itself. Hopefully it will uh, overcome all the recent challenges that it's going through right now. But um, I learned that innovation was important and keeping the investment in innovation, even through a crisis like the one we're going through right now is so important. So Intel gave me that flavor because Intel is all about innovation too. And then when I joined GE and was able to represent all those different business units and learn a little bit more in detail how those uh, industries operate, hmm. that really uh, stayed with me forever. I mean, innovation is key.
1: So now you do that, and, and and I interrupted, but now you see, learn those experiences and be able to be the CEO within GE for the Brazil branch do a whole bunch of different things and then how did you then transition away from GE or what caused the transition and kind of how did you make it to your third phase of uh, of, of yeah, life
0: that's a perfect question I didn't choose on my own to just leave I, I thought I was going to continue with GE for good but a lot of different circumstances kind of brought me to Miami so hmm. I came to Miami still with GE I was hoping to get another position somewhere else so after being country leader being government affairs for the region it made sense to either go deeper in one of the business units so from the united states somewhere or get a more global role in terms of government affairs so i was in that trajectory when i moved here with my family and uh, i was just transitioning hoping that this was going to uh, happen and it didn't so all of a sudden i found myself with the tough decision do i go back to my position in brazil do i just leave G and wait for another opportunity that might arise. I don't know when. And that's what I decided to do. So I took my chances, you know, leap of faith here that this was going to happen and stayed in Miami because that's where my family chose to stay. My husband was doing business here. My kids were happy here going to, you know, applying to college, starting this, this new life. And it didn't make sense for me to go back. So then I find myself, okay, what's next, right? Mm. And because I didn't plan that, it took me a while to figure it out. So I say that this third life cycle uh, that is happening, as we say, as we speak in, in Miami, is a more artistic side uh, uh, phase. It's more in the design phase. And it, it you know, took me some wrong decisions uh, till I am kind of finding the right, um, the, the right format. And, and it took also meeting with very... Inspiring people to make me switch the, the mindset to become from, from, you know, giving up the, 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 the mindset of a, an executive in a big corp
1: hmm. to
0: becoming an entrepreneur myself. So I, I was so privileged, I, I was working with Impact Investing when I came here, I joined some not-for-profit boards and I had the honor of meeting business and, and, and he's evolved so much in that, that he told me when we met here in Miami that he is going to solve or help solve the, the issue of poverty in Bangladesh through entrepreneurship. And he also said something that resonated really well with me, which was, we're not job seekers, we are job creators. So there I was in Miami trying to figure out what's next, and I was looking for a job. So that didn't really make much sense to me. So I started kind of fine-tuning that idea until I said, okay, look, you know, I want to stay here. I I can create my own company. Why not, right? Why don't I just design it the way I think it's best? I don't have to have, you know, the weight of defending things like oil and gas that I had to defend in in NGE, and I could be more impact oriented which is something i love right towards renewables or this new innovation that i think is more regenerative for planet earth
1: now, so one question before you dive into now what you did and what the startup was you know how was that transition going from ge big company lots of resources you know they have lots of things going on tons of employees everything else to hey i'm gonna go start my own thing you know and that you know the, is it Was it a hard transition? Was it a wake-up call? Was it fun or exciting or kind of how was that transition going from what would be a, a major, you know, Fortune 500 company or 100 or whatever, wherever they're at on the list, to now saying, I've got to do that, you know, starting my own company, got to figure out funding, got to figure out the idea, got to figure out employees, got to figure out what the product is and how to get clients. So how was that transition?
0: You listed it. Tough, right? <laughs> So it is both tough and liberating at the same time because, you know, although there are many things as you listed that are wonderful about being in a big corporate um, company like GE, there are also some things that are not so connected to my purpose, right? So it is both challenging and liberating at the same time, but it does require a lot of thinking and it does require this mindset, mindset shift. And I, to be honest with you, I was not ready for it when it it happened. So that's why it took me a while to get there. And I even, you know, learning, uh, having learned from GE that you need to be disciplined. First thing I did when I realized after talking to Mohamed Yunus that I could be an entrepreneur, that I could create my own company was, okay, how do I learn? How do I, you know, who, who does this well? So I, you know, MIT came to mind and I, first thing I did was enroll in a, in a boot camp with MIT on how to create a startup, right? And, and, and try to go in a disciplined process towards that dream. That wasn't a dream before. I never dreamt of that before. To be honest with you, I never realized I could do it. But I, I think, you know, the move forcing me out of the comfort zone and meeting people who told me and encouraged me saying, yes, you can really gave me the strength to do it. And and, and as I say, maybe this is not even the, the best time for me to give you the interview because I haven't finished that journey yet. I'm still in the process. So maybe we'll have to redo this a few years from now and then I'll tell you where I, I kind of reached, uh, achieve, what, what I achieved with this journey. But right now I am switching this 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 uh, button, this this thing, this flipping, this switch. And I can say it is very difficult if you don't really embrace it. So I am, being a disciplined entrepreneur, switching this, making this shift in mindset and learning through the right framework. So I'm really trying to apply the right frameworks for creating a company and uh, how do I design Bria in a way that makes sense. So first thing I did was and, and remember, I said that it's liberating. So first thing I did, I really admire this movement of organizations called the B Corps. So the, the, the companies that uh, are created to make business a force for good. There is even a certification agency that you can you know, get certified if you, if you create your company in a certain way with a mission statement, aligning with a, you know, a higher purpose, having some metrics. Now it's very common to, to hear people talking about E, S and G, so environment, social governance. So I'm creating Bria as a startup that is being born with that mindset, right? So I am not only creating any startup, I'm creating a B Corp. And I want it to be done in the right way. So I'm making sure I I get all that. So Bria's mission is actually to bridge the gap between innovation, practice, so the good practice and purpose uh, inspiring people, changing organizations to help create what I call the impact economy. So it's that economy that you can, yes, continue to pursue your profits, that's fine. But while you do that, you're doing good for people and you're doing good for planet. And I, I would say this is this is not impossible. This is totally doable. Many good uh, companies doing that. And I want Bria to be one more of that kind of company.
1: Hmm. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I think having kind of that seems like that's where a lot of the, the business is shifting is almost that mission driven kind of purpose that behind the company as opposed to, you know, for a long time in history. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It was, hey, well, how can I build a, a simply a profitable business? And every business has to be profitable. Everybody, you know, no matter how good of aspirations and how much you want to, change and, you know, make things for the better. If you don't have a way to generate income or revenue, your business isn't going to be around very long. But at the same time, you need to balance and say, now, what do I want at the end of the day? What do I want, you know, the business to be? And how do I put that in the trajectory that I'm excited and the business will do well, and it has an impact and a, a direction that makes sense and that I find rewarding while making the profit. And I think when you hit those two kind of metrics, it really is kind of that sweet spot for a lot of entrepreneurs.
0: And, and how we want to lead your life, because especially now with this pandemic, we have really understood, you know, that we have to make sure we um, focus on what matters. Our, our priorities changed, right? And, uh, and we're going to be living long if we go through this virus, right? So we need to make sure we're living all those years in a good way. So doing good for society, doing good for your family, doing good for yourself, Right. So I think that that's also like a, a mission in life. It's a journey that we have to embrace sooner rather than later.
1: No, I think absolutely. So now as you do that, you, you start, you know, Bria Institute, still figuring things out, getting it going, building the company, building the, you know, the clientele, the outreach and helping others. Where do you see things going in the next, you know, six to 12 months?
0: Oh, Oh, perfect. So with the pandemic, we focused a lot in the, Uh, human development side of Bria. So Bria has, I'd I'd say, like a a, a tree that has many branches. So the three basic ones are organizational. So we're helping startups that have innovation and purpose uh, grow. So there's one that we're helping uh, for two years now that is the Brain Health Project. So how to prevent dementia. Now I'm starting to help another company that is a venture engineering firm and they are focusing on different things, including a COVID vaccine. So, and and then with another group of friends and uh, supporters from Brazil, they are an accelerator of companies in Brazil. We are designing this program to help people really get into the the nitty gritty of the the, the process of creating a startup, uh, applying the methodology that Clayton Christensen developed called the jobs to be done, Uh, really, you know, having a disciplined approach to entrepreneurship. So that is one aspect of Bria that is shaping very nicely. So during the pandemic, as I said, the, the more human development side arised with the need for us to really embrace our journeys in the midst of complexity and you know change. Hmm. Um, I, because I was always invited to give talks and after the talks people said, oh, do you have a book? Or do I have a course or do you mentor do, you do this and I always said no 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 I said okay enough of that let me create something and I invited a, a bunch of uh, very very enlightened people whom I admired totally and we did a program right in the beginning of the pandemic here in Miami we recorded everything and we transformed that into an online course so I call it the CEO meet and master so meet C- people in the C-suite see what's going on there what are the challenges that they're facing and master your unique leadership journey towards the c-suite so we um the the differentiator of this program is that it is based on systems thinking so how leaders of the future can leverage this ability of think more systemically to Mm. deliver results to all stakeholders so it's putting in practice my learnings there's other people's learnings the the, the the real experiment is to translate what matters from the corporate world to you know people's lives through the systemic approach so we have it online and we're creating amazing groups since August so we're having people come together in the breakout room so I love zoom for that um, and and we're having the interaction we're having the peer to peer practice of Application applying systems thinking to real concrete problems in the the business world so that we can um, build these soft skills to navigate complexity. Mm. And the third part of Bria is connecting these two worlds, like organizational and human development, in partnership with a boutique search firm called The Womb Group. And that is also reinventing itself, or, or how can I say, it? not reinventing because they are doing great during the pandemic too, but they are also finding new ways to connect good people with good companies. And I have to, um, you know, I, I, can, I can tap into that as I grow the other two parts of RIA. So it's shaping, uh, not a done, done work yet, but this is, as I said, my artistic phase of designing, creating, so allowing myself to put my creativity in practice, leveraging the experience of the past and and really aiming for this impact economy and and how can we get people and organizations to to collaborate, to, to, to design these new narratives and to get there together.
1: No, I think that's awesome. So now as we wrap towards the end of the podcast, never enough time to talk about things as, as we want, but we'll jump to the two questions I always ask at the end of the podcast. So first question I always ask is, what was your worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it?
0: Okay, maybe not the worst, but one very bad mistake I made was as soon as I left GE, I joined the startup without being ready. I didn't have this mindset shifted yet when I joined this group. I learned a lot with them. They were doing impact investing, and I am very thankful and grateful that I did join them, but it wasn't the right business decision at that moment, I would say. And and, and with that, also, um, I think that another mistake that I tend to make, and now I'm being more mindful of that, and hopefully I won't make in the past, is to be um, solution-centric, mm. you know, I- I think we need to be more question centric. And there is an author I really admired called Daniel Wall. And he recently also gave an interview about that. that It is much better when you're not solutions or answer centric because when you are married to your answers, I "I am right. So if I'm right, you're wrong. We Mm. create this divide, right? We become enemies. Now, if we're question centric and okay, what is it that really matters? We want to solve this issue. It doesn't matter if it's solution A or solution B, we're gonna solve it, right? So what does it take to find the right approach to this? And then we're not married to the to the question, to the answer. We're married to the question. So the question or finding the answers to the question or testing the question through the answers becomes the journey. So it's much more conducive to inclusion, diversity, multiple points of view. It's more, much more conducive to dialogue and to agreeing towards a common goal than this divide that we see in society today. So I think this is something that I am becoming more mindful of and um, I hope I will avoid more mistakes in the future by doing so.
1: I think that's great and certainly a good lesson to learn from uh, from your journey. Second question I always ask is now talking to someone that's just getting to startups or small businesses, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: Well, priorities change. Life is a journey. So find the right framework to help you ask the right questions. Mm. I think that is key for any uh, entrepreneur. Uh, I recommend the jobs to be done framework from Clayton Christensen. I, you know, If you don't know what it is, Google it. Find, uh, find out more about it. Watch the great videos. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore, but he left some very good lessons for us. And, and I think that's the a, a right framework to, um, because in, and then let me continue by saying that, besides that also apply systems thinking to business. Mm. Try to start identifying systems, because this is so critical. Once you start seeing the whole and the parts, when, once you start seeing non-linear causes, once you start balancing the zoom in and the zoom out, I mean, the more linear analytical approach with the more holistic approach, you start, you know, really acknowledging situations, the problems as they are, you have a better chance of finding the best uh, solutions to it. And, and again, in systems thinking, uh, I also learned that problems don't look to be solved. They look to be understood. So asking the right right questions is is critical. So that is my advice to anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur in the companies or an entrepreneur starting their own thing.
1: All right. Well, I think that's great advice for, for everybody to take to heart. Was well, people want to connect with you, they want to find out more about what you're doing, find out more about Bria Institute, they want to be your friend, they want to be your employer, they want to be your investor, they want to be anything or all of the above. What's the best way to connect or connect with you or find out more? Well,
0: follow us in social media. So bria.institute is the website. We are also in LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. We issue a newsletter every month that will definitely inspire people on innovation, practice, and purpose. Uh, we conduct webinars, and we have the CEO Meet and Master uh, Development Course. So join us for the next cohort, practice systems thinking with us, and stay uh, part of our community to, to learn more of what's going on, not only with us, but we try to highlight the good systemic approach that we see out there, like Daniel Wall, like um, uh, Rayworth doing the Donut Economics. So many good authors that we try to highlight in the
1: Bria um, network. Hmm. No, I, I think that's a lot of great ways to connect. I encourage everybody to make sure to reach out, connect, find out more, and uh, get or certainly take advantage of all, everything you have to offer. Well, it's been fun to have you on, and it's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, we are always love to have you on, tell your journey. Feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply to be on the podcast your listener make sure to click subscribe so you can get notifications as all the new awesome episodes come out and lastly if you ever need help with or help with patents and trademarks feel free to reach out to us at miller ip law well thank you again for coming on it's been a pleasure it's been fun and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last
0: thank you same to you and uh, let's wait for the results of this election and the best to happen so thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to you today
1: my pleasure